Hi guys, it's Grace, uh, your host of the Because Why Not podcast, and it's been a minute. I have been doing so much kind of deep work on myself um, that I've been just in my head a lot, and what's interesting is that I have found it really... um, challenging, I guess, is the word, to sit down and do a recording um, because I have had so much on my mind and I've had trouble sort of focusing on one thing and deciding on one thing that I want to share because there are so many things that I want to talk about and so many things that are evolving and changing about me. I feel like on a daily and moment-to-moment basis right now that I haven't been able to land on just one thing. And I have also been feeling some sort of strange fear and hesitation at um, sharing some things that I'm thinking because it just feels all so real and it does feel so exciting and so positive and so wonderful and you know, given that I've shared so much before on this podcast, so vulnerably and so openly, um, it might sound really strange that I've been feeling some fear around being vulnerable about the changes I'm making. But I wonder if it's just part of me feeling maybe protective of um, these decisions I'm making about my life and maybe just giving myself some time to sit with them and rest with them before I um, share. I have certainly put these things out to the universe and that's why they're happening. Um, That's what I believe. But, um, you know, sharing them with you makes it all the more real. So that's kind of what I've been going through is just being very heady. Um, There's this uh, wonderful Carl Jung, Carl Jung, Swiss, he's a Swiss psychologist, was, for those of you who don't know, there's this wonderful quote I love that is, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakes. And that's really where I am. I have been doing so much looking inside and um, am truly awakening. And this has been happening through the course of Um, this podcast. And when I started recording, that was, I think, um, for me, starting this podcast was what was one powerful pinnacle moment, as it's called, or some people call it a pinnacle moment that that you experience um, that causes you to make a great shift in your life. And um, for women, what that can mean is, is, you know, shifting from your number one focus being family and nurturing and caregiving, um, to focusing more on yourself and your spiritual growth and your, um, expansion. And that's exactly what I'm going through. Um, my family will always be so important. That's very clear and obvious to me um, and to them, I think. But um, the fact that I have 
begun focusing on and prioritizing so heavily my spiritual growth and expansion is a huge change for me and it's powerful and it's all encompassing and it's spectacular I love it every day is growth and um Gosh, it's just amazing and powerful, and you can tell I'm so in my head. Um, but that's kind of where I've been. I've been um, trying to figure out a way to sit down and focus and share uh, so that I don't feel like I'm all over the place sharing four million things. And, you know, I have always sat down to record an episode when I'm sort of bursting at the seams about something. Um, so, so while there's so much growth happening in my world and um, inside me as I look in and so many wonderful life changes happening, the thing I'm bursting at the seams to talk about today is related to being a mom. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today is uh, my sweet, powerful, wonderful, intense seven and a half year old court and what has been going on with him and with me and with our relationship because um, I think any mom out there can relate to this Uh, I do think this is a uniquely mom experience that I'm about to share because I do believe the connection between the mom and the child is so different than that between the dad and the child which also can be absolutely extraordinary and certainly is in my house but um what I'm going through with court what I'm experiencing is a uniquely I think mother and child experience and so I just want to share it because I do think it will resonate with so many of you and and um whether or not you've been through it yet um you might in the future or maybe it's long past for you and you'll go, ah, oh, I remember that, you know? Um, and it, this is really just like reaching out to hold a hand because I need to have my hand held. And I am also reaching out to hold your hand because this can be really hard and really, um, painful. And that is, oh, court growing up, getting more independent and, asserting his independence, um, his individuality and starting to, uh, disconnect from me, um, for the first time in that way that a kid is supposed to when they become independent and when they become older and they are, you know, finding their own way and, um, using their own inner compass rather than following yours. Okay, forgive me if I burst into tears while I talk about this. Um, Okay, so um, Saturday I was texting with my dear friend Sarah, hi, in Boston about her dropping her 11-year-old off at sleepaway camp for two weeks. And, um, you know, the sort of fear and anxiety she was having around that, mostly wondering if her child was prepared to be away for that long. And if her child had done the thinking 
about being away and what it would feel like to be homesick and, and, um, all of that. And just thinking, you know, I worry that, that she's not prepared for how hard it's going to be to be away from me. And that made a lot of sense. But what I also really heard was her own fear and pain about her child leaving, um, and her not being ready for her child to leave. Right. Um, when are we ready for our kid to say, I want to go to sleepaway camp for two weeks. Most of us will face some challenges when that first happens. It's like sending your kid to kindergarten for the first time, you know, full-time school day or, um, you know, for me, when I left my babies for the first time, when I had to go do weddings out of town, when, you know, court was five months old or whatever it was. I mean, the first time that you, um, leave or that you put your child somewhere and you leave or they leave or you move on and they are independent, that is a hard thing to do the first time. It's maybe hard the first five times. It's uncomfortable. Um, and it's painful. And I really felt that in talking to my friend. Um, and she knew her daughter was ready. She knew that she wanted to do it, but there was still this pain and anxiety because this child who had always needed to be so close to her was for the first time saying, I want to do this. I want to leave. I want to go away for two weeks. I'm ready to be away from you, mom. Like I'm ready. I can do this. And that is like a, a gut, a gut punch, you know? Even if all you want in the world is for your child to be independent and self-sufficient, are you ever truly ready for the day that they tell you they are? So my court has, uh, you know, shown himself to be a baseball star. This has happened over the last year, literally less than a year and a half. And all he sees and thinks about and talks about is baseball. And what's fortunate for him is that he's really skilled at it. He has natural ability. And for me, this is just like mind blowing because, um, to know me is to know that I'm not an athlete. I, you know, can get into my fitness and get in shape. And I love being outside and I love the outdoors and walking and biking and, um, you know, I love swimming. I love dancing. I love yoga. I love, you know, I do lots of physical things, uh, but I was never an athlete. You know, um, my sister did play competitive sports and she worked really hard at it. And then in her twenties, she ran the New York city marathon twice. And, you know, your body of course is really capable of whatever you work hard at. Um, but natural athletic ability wasn't something that I was gifted with. And so watching court have this natural, um, athletic ability as Than does as well. He's just younger. So I haven't seen it sort of manifest in the same way yet. Um, but watching court have this natural ability is really 
stunning to me and in the best way. I mean, it just, um, it's pretty incredible. And, uh, so he's on this team. He, he finished his little league season and he was chosen for this all-star team. And I'm learning what that means and what that entails. But for the last three weeks, he's had practice for two and a half hours a day, which Maddie has you know, lovingly and diligently taken him to. And it culminated in this tournament this past weekend, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. Um, and they ended up winning three of the four games. So tonight they play two more games. And so it's all very intense and very involved. And we're driving, you know, back out an hour and a half today after camp to go to these games. And, you know, he'll probably get in bed at midnight tonight. And it's wild. I mean, they could keep going and, make it to, you know, the state championships. I don't know. We'll just see. Um, but yeah, so we were at this tournament this weekend and he's clearly so in his element with his team. I mean, just living the life. He loves being a teammate. He's a great teammate and friend, which is really the thing that makes me feel the most proud when I see him, you know, pat other kids on the back and um, be supportive of them in that way. And he really is not just out for himself. Um, he is a team member and a team player. Uh, but he also certainly, you know, thrives on hitting the ball hard and, and getting runs and he got a home run and he got a grand slam and he caught an amazing ball in the outfield that got the other team out that, you know, helped win the game. And he has these amazing strides, um, though he's not one of the members that plays the most on the team at all because he's one of the younger ones. He um, is not one of the faster ones, but he's, he's, he's good and he's there and he's all in. So, you know, whatever your kid gets all into, you get all into, right? Like I, I never thought that I would be excited about sitting on the sidelines of games, not in one million years, much less baseball. I mean, I remember saying out loud, um, you know, my kids better not play baseball. That's literally the one sport I hope they don't play. Um, well, now we know about, you know, the law of attraction, don't we? And not focusing on what you don't want because you're going to get it. So anyway, um, my kids play baseball and I am here trying to learn the game and be as supportive as I can be. And let me tell you, it's much more interesting watching baseball when you understand the game. And I don't even understand, you know, 50% of it yet, but it's already more interesting to me. So I'm there being a good mom, supporting, cheering, not cheering quite in the way that some of the baseball moms do. It is intense. I cannot keep up with that. I will not try. It's just, it's, it's not in me. And by the way, if I was cheering as much as some of the others were, there would be no, uh, room for any airspace because it's just a lot of noise coming from the moms. But, uh, that's an aside. They are enthusiastic and probably natural athletes themselves and understand the game really well. So, um, there's probably a part of me that feels, I don't know, intimidated by them. So I'm working through that. But anyway, all the moms are all in and so are the dads. You know, it's really this incredible environment. Um, 
all this to say that I'm watching court with his team and, you know, it's just such a big, exciting deal. And Than and I came back to Durham Saturday night. Um, court and Maddie stayed uh, out in this town called Wilson and stayed in a hotel with the teammates and swam and had dinner and had the best time and court's just living it up. So at the end of the third game yesterday, before the fourth game, um, all the players were coming out and, um, well, let me start by saying that on Saturday, after both games were played, we went to go watch another team play and I was sitting on a bleacher in front of court and his friends. And I turned back to look at them and kind of chat with them. And, um, and then court leaned forward and said to me, Mommy, can you please move one bleacher farther down? I need some space. And I was like, what? Um, And I just was kind of, I didn't get upset about it, but I was like, no, I'm sitting here. Like, you can sit there with your friends. I'm sitting here. And then he asked me again, and I thought, okay, like, this is really kind of crazy. This is the first time that he is saying, I'm with my friends. I don't kind of want you watching me. I don't want you around. I'm doing my own thing. Um, and it was, yeah, kind of hurtful. And I was looking around and I was watching this other mom who was with her baseball player and they were hugging. And I just thought, why doesn't he want to sit with me and like hang out with me right now? You know, and I understood he wanted to be with his friends, but why did he need to ask me to move farther away? And then I was thinking, you know, what is it about me? Is it something about me in particular? And, you know, what is that? Because again, like court seven and a half years old, you know, I guess I mentally prepared myself for this happening at perhaps 11 years old, 12. I, in a million years, didn't think that he would start asserting this kind of independence at seven and a half. Um, and I don't know if it's quote unquote developmentally appropriate. Um, I don't see other kids saying those things to their moms, but it doesn't matter because it's my experience. It's what he is feeling, you know? So I kind of got through that and I gave him some space. I did not move down the bleachers because give me a break, but, um, I just, you know, let him do his thing with his friends. So yesterday after the third game, before the fourth game, the players were all running out and, um, you know, players were running to their moms and hugging and, you know, everyone was congratulating them on their win. And actually I think they had lost that game, but uh, that was the one game they lost, but I saw all these boys running to their moms, you know, it was like all around me. I saw these kids going to their moms and their dads and their families. And, um, so I was walking towards court, uh, to congratulate him. And I saw him come out with some friends and kind of saw him, you know, of course he's my kid. I can read every reaction on his face, every emotion, all of that. Um, and I saw that he kind of looked at me and then he kept kind of joking around with his friends, like palling around, but I kept walking towards him cause I wanted to congratulate him of course, and see him. He's my kid. And I walked right up to him and I was like, Cordy. And he looked at me and he 
ignored me and he walked past me so that he wouldn't have to talk to me. And I think I died inside for a minute. Um, thankfully I had my sunglasses on, you know, the lump in my throat was about the size of a baseball in that moment. And I turned immediately and walked to my car because I knew that that was the straw that was going to break the camel's back, um, about the way that I had been feeling court sort of pulling away from me this weekend. Um, and just really all the feelings that that was bringing in and probably all the other feelings that I have been processing and ways that I've been feeling for the last few weeks. And, you know, a lot of the feelings I've been feeling, 99% of them are not negative. They're very positive, but it's just a lot. Like I'm just feeling a lot and, um, you know, and then just giving time and energy and heart and soul and love nonstop to my kid as we all do. Um, and I guess feeling like I wanted him to want that love from me in that moment and want that, you know, um, congratulations from me and want that hug and, and want to share that moment with me. I wanted him to share that moment with me and he didn't want to for whatever reason. So the floodgates opened. I went to my car. I sent Maddie a quick text. I said, um, I ran to my car. This is what happened. I need to go ugly cry alone in my car. You know, please look out for Than and court. And when I come back, please don't try and console me because I'm hanging on by a mere thread here. And I need to hold it together through this next game because I've never been so hurt. I really felt that in that moment. I have never been so hurt. Um, Yeah. And I went to my car and I ugly cried like the moaning cry. I had to moan into a cloth in my car because I was afraid I was so loud with the cars around me. Um, and my heart ached. It was awful. It was awful. I did feel a little better after I cried, but, um, you know, I really just in that moment was quickly trying to just feel all my feelings and mourn what I was mourning, which was that, you know, there it was this moment of my kid asserting his independence, being ready to pull away from me comfortably. That was the first time that he had done that in that way. And let me tell you, it was gut wrenching. It was excruciating. And I, I, I really do think that that's a uniquely, um, mom experience with a kid. Um, like what my friend was talking about with her daughter going to camp that, the kid has always needed her so close and always relied on her so closely and is now saying, I got this mom, you know, like I'm good. I've got this. And, um, wow, that was painful. 
So I went back to the game. I sat with my sunglasses on. I held it together. Um, I sent my friend in Boston a text and told her what had happened and said, I feel your pain. I'm sitting here like, you know, with my skin on inside out in agony over what just happened. And, you know, she wrote me back and, and that was great. Um, thank God for friends, you know, and Maddie was great. He, he knew that if he came near me or looked at me in the wrong way or touched me, I would burst into tears in front of all of these moms who were not crying. They were cheering and like, just like super, yeah, into the game. Um, so I just sat there patiently and I was right by the dugout and I kept seeing Cordy in there and he would, you know, drink his water and walk by and he saw me and I didn't acknowledge him. You know, I was just giving him space. And I would say about 15 or 20 minutes into the game, I don't even know, I was like in a zone, in a cloud, a fog. Um, somehow he was the only one in the dugout or the only one at the end of the dugout. And I was right there in a chair next to the dugout. Okay, get ready. I'm going to start crying. Um, and he looked at me with his sweet little face and he smiled and he waved at me and I smiled and waved at him and I just thought okay I'm just going to respond to whatever he's doing he's giving me a little I'm going to give him a little back you know um, and then I give him a thumbs up and he gave me a thumbs up and then um I made a little heart with my hands to him and he made a little heart with his hands to me. You know, and it was his way of saying, we're good, mom. And it was my way of saying to him, we're good, you know. He needed to do that in private when no one was looking. And that's okay. You know, we connected and I gave him the support I wanted to give him and he gave me the attention that I clearly needed from him. And after the game, I went right up to him to congratulate him because he had caught this amazing ball in the outfield. And he let me give him a big hug and I just said into his ear, I'm so proud of you and congratulations. And he said, thank you for supporting me. Oh my God, it's too much, isn't it? Wow. Kids are so intuitive, you know. First of all, they, they know what they need to do. You know, they, they have inner compasses. They know where to go. We just don't always let them. You know, we certainly live in a time and in an environment where we are not taught to allow our children to use their inner compasses. We are taught to guide every, every 
direction, you know, guide them where they're going, clear the path for them. Don't leave any sticks on the path to trip over. Um, make it easy for them, make it smooth, catch them when they fall. And to a certain degree, that feels good. That feels right as a parent, you know, certainly when they're this young, it feels right. Um, but they know what to do and they know what they need. I I do truly believe they are born. We are born with all that we need. We need to be allowed to use it and find our way. And of course they need guidance. We don't ever have to worry about not giving them guidance. We're giving them plenty of guidance. But when our kids start to listen to their own inner compasses, we have to pay attention to that when they start following them. Um, Because they really do know what to do and they know what they need. And uh, it's it's, um, hard to experience that. It's painful. But that's what we want. We want for our children to be independent and to find their own way. Um, And as agonizing as it is, it's really important, especially, I think, in my opinion, for my boys, um, to be able to detach from their mom and go and, you know, be on their own and not rely on their mom for everything. I don't mean to get like so super gendered about this, but I happen to have two very, very inherently boy boys. So I can really speak to that, um, that, you know, I don't want to raise boys who need their moms for everything. No woman wants to end up with that, you know, because then they're going to be with, with someone who just, they're relying on to care for them, to take care of them. And, you know, I hope my boys will end up in a partnership like I am in, which is an equal partnership. Um, we do take care of each other, but you know, my husband was raised by a very strong independent woman who, um, raised him to be very self-sufficient and independent. And if I have boys who are calling their mommy every five seconds for help and answers on everything, it's not going to serve them. But what I can say is that I was not, am not at all prepared for this happening at seven and a half. And I'm hoping that this is just like a little blip that maybe this is going to happen slowly, um, slowly, but surely, um, I'm really not again, fully prepared for this to happen until he's about 12. And I know that will be, oh my gosh, just as hard, just as hard. But but I do have very independent, strong-willed children. And so it's no surprise that it could happen earlier. And, um, oh man, does it hurt? So I know I'm not alone in this. This is a human experience of being a parent and being a mother. And I know you're out there with me. 
I remember when I was pregnant with Court, someone said to me, you'll see that having a child feels like having your heart outside of your body at all times that it's just with you and you feel everything and you feel it so intensely and it's so true I mean there is there is no deeper greater stronger love than the love you have for your child um and there is just there's no stronger emotion that you can feel than any emotion you feel about your child whether it's anger frustration you know exhaustion love pride feeling so much pride lately that is real that feeling of pride for your for your child um gosh it's amazing Someone said to me recently, you must be so proud of yourself. You've raised such great boys. You're raising such great boys. You must be so proud of yourself. I said, proud of myself. You know, these, these kids are, they're doing it. I mean, yes, we keep them fed and clean and, you know, we do keep them on the right track and we teach them a lot, but they're doing it. They're the ones who are taking all of this and making it happen. I'm proud of them. Um, I'm also proud of myself for, you know, uh, not crying all the way through the second game. I'm proud of myself for being able to go ugly cry in the car and take some deep breaths and pull it together and not make it about me and keep it about court because uh, yesterday was not about me. This is about him and his success and his game and and his tournament and his team and you know this is this is his experience and I don't want to take away from it oh so yeah it's really an unusual experience you know watching these this kid these kids grow up get older um and it just never gets easier and I know that it won't but of course I would never trade it or change it or take it back in a million years something that made me laugh yesterday before I had to go cry was um, you know watching him at the game with his teammate and I thought this is so funny it's almost like being being a, a mother of a of a young kid of this age or maybe even a little older like a young tween or young teenager it's almost that feeling of when you were like in middle school high school dating someone and you guys were going out or whatever but you weren't supposed to talk in public like you would talk on the phone at night or you would like talk to each other privately and like say little sweet things to each other or write each other letters so this is like dating me like in the 80s um but you wouldn't acknowledge each other in public 
you both knew how you felt about one another, but you would not acknowledge it in public, you know? And I was thinking about that yesterday when I was sitting right there and watching court in the dugout and we weren't acknowledging each other. And, you know, we both were there with our hearts full, you know, of course we love each other and, you know, we're in love and we're, you know, like, oh, but we can't acknowledge it in public. Um, it just made me laugh. It was like, just this really funny, weird thing that sounds so Oedipal. And I know my husband, if and when he hears this, is going to be like, oh my God, that's ridiculous and disgusting. But it is. I mean, I'm the first woman he ever loved. Right. And you know, I was, I was saying to him the other night, we were all snuggling in bed and I said, Cordy, am I, am I always going to be the woman that you love the most? Are you going to love me more than any other woman your whole life? <laughs> and of course I know that's such a psychotic thing to say. I mean, that is cuckoo. Um, and Maddie's like, just ignore mommy. She can't ask you weird questions like that. That is ridiculous. And I'm like, Cordy, tell me, tell me I'm the only one you love. <laughs> like joking around, but you know, sort of half not joking. And he was like, yes, mommy. Yes, you are. Um, so yeah, I mean, loving your son is like this totally irrational, psychotic, like bananas, just irrational. Um, overwhelming feeling and um wow the overwhelming feeling that comes along with that is 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 being willing to let them soar and fly and being willing to let them go at some point um and I just can't get into all that right now because that's hopefully not going to happen anytime soon but um I just I just have been thinking a lot about the idea of will he always need me. Will you always need me? And I do think he will. I know that Maddie still needs his mom. You know, there are things that I cannot help with that his mom can. You know, she's the only one who can have the answer. Um, and it, it grows and it changes. But your mom is always your mom. If you have a great mom you're really fortunate and you are always going to need your great mom on some level, whether you are a boy or a girl. Um, and so I guess maybe it's just a reminder to myself that as I go through these moments and things change and they feel hard and they feel painful and I wonder, will you always need me? You know, I know the answers. Yes. Um, Oh, being a mom is just really intense, intense AF, as they say, really amazing and so intense. So, wow. Whew. That was an emotional one, guys. Thanks for sticking with me. I just went for a beautiful walk in the woods by the Eno River after dropping fan at camp and, um, just um, glad to have been able to download all of this with you. Whew. So um, I'll be back with you soon. 
and um, sharing more of this incredible expansion that I'm experiencing and hopefully it can be interesting to you and maybe benefit you as well some of these things I've been learning um, so enjoy your day take some time for yourself and uh, hop in the pool if you can it's hot I'm sending out lots of love to the universe wherever you are bye yeah.